imagine if you could overhear private, unfiltered conversations between the world's most influential and inspirational women? Now you can. Welcome to Leadership Global, where you'll hear from inspiring leaders who will help you define your vision, grow your leadership, expand your influence, and increase your impact to leave a lasting legacy. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining this week's Lead Hership Global Podcast. We are so glad to welcome you this week, and we have an extra special guest for you, Danielle Surency jones She's the CEO and co-founder of global sports tech company, Power Hands. And today, Danielle is going to be speaking to us about the secrets to growing and scaling your company, which I think is a relevant conversation for all of us. You know, when companies grow, they're increasing their revenues as fast as they're adding resources to help fuel that growth. And when companies scale, on the other hand, they add revenue at a faster rate than they increase their cost structure. So, The company's gains outpace its losses, allowing it to not only grow, but also to scale. And although there's a plethora of advice now being given about how to grow and scale your fledgling startup, there's also a dirty little secret out there. Once you've achieved rapid growth, the hard work really begins. Scaling is hard. Scaling a business means that you are setting the stage to enable and support growth of your company. It means having the ability to grow without being hampered. It also requires planning, funding, and the right systems, staff, processes, technology, and partners. So as you launch your business, you should already be thinking about a strategy for scaling your company, not just growing your business, but scaling it. And if you simply continue trying to increase your revenue by adding more resources without a corresponding equal increase in cost, your growth is likely to stagnate. You'll get to a point where you realize the effort to grow simply isn't worth the financial gain. What you need instead is a strategy for scaling in business that focuses on increasing revenue while also increasing efficiency. Scalability is all about capacity and capability. So I have to ask you, does your business have the capacity to scale? Will your business systems, infrastructure, and team be able to accommodate scale? Well, I got to tell you, to help ambitious entrepreneurs create realistic growth and scale targets and develop plans and concrete actions of how to grow and scale, please help me welcome Danielle Surency jones the co-founder of Power Hands, a global designer, manufacturer and distributor of innovative athletic and fitness training products that address very specific skill development with athletes at all levels. That's right, Linda. And Danielle has spent nearly two decades in corporate America working in various sales and marketing executive positions within Fortune 500 medical tech companies. But while her corporate bosses asked her to temper her creativity, Power Hands has given Cernsey Jones the freedom to use her MBA at Wharton and her marketing training combined with a natural instinct and entrepreneurial grit to push her big ideas forward. Since its launch, Power Hands has grown their first product, a patented weighted anti-grip basketball glove into training and rehabilitation tech for five sports and created more than 10 products with four patents. 
Their products are sold in more than 86 countries and used by the NBA, the NFL, MLB, WBO, and other professional sports organizations and thousands of youth across the country. The creative business strategist has led power hands to e-commerce giants like Walmart, Amazon, Target, and Academy Sports. She's also created the Power to Give Foundation, a nonprofit that provides athletic and academic programs to youth athletes in underserved communities. Her foundation has partnered with the NFL, the NBA, Boys and Girls Clubs, and other notable youth organizations. So there's not a better expert to walk us through the hard challenges and decisions that will enable true value creation other than Danielle. Thank you so much for joining us today, Danielle. Thank you guys for having me. And geez, that introduction, I must steal it. I must follow <laughs> it. Is it really me? <laughs> Thank you. This is awesome. We're so excited to jump right in today. So Danielle, there's just so many components to your journey. Why don't you just start out by telling us like what led you to have such a passion around entrepreneurism and how, how did you land on the product at Powerhands? Yeah. So, so first of all, Christina and Linda, I just want to compliment you, right? For you to have a podcast where you're focusing on women, you're giving them a voice to tell their story. That's powerful because we need more of that so that we can step into our worth and explode in our brilliance. So thank you so much for having me um, to be a guest and share my story. Wow. So power hands, you know, in, in entrepreneurialism, I had no clue since the beginning of time that I was an entrepreneur. So when my father first built my lemonade stand um, and I asked him to build my lemonade stand or when I was a Girl Scouts and I was competing, right, to sell the most cookies, I had an entrepreneurial spirit at that time. And then when I look at my, the history from my grandfather, right, who owned a store to my grandmother who owned a daycare, I never thought about the first and the pioneers in my family and what conditioned me to have this resilience until recently I was on a panel. And I really thought, yes, you know, it, it, this is part of my heritage. This is a part of my DNA. So why in the world was I nervous to jump in the beginning into entrepreneurialism? And then in corporate America, when I look at my career. So uh, thank you for reading my bio. I'm, I'm, I'm a nerd. So I wish I could go back to school every single day. Um, when I was in corporate America, working for Fortune 500 medical device companies, you know, I worked in sales, marketing, operations, integrated marketing communications. And I was a corpreneur at that time. I was always the person coming up with, here's the crazy idea that everyone would tell me it was too much, right? And too early for that time. And if it's not broken, right? Don't try to fix it. And I realize now that all of those stretch rolls that I took, they were building me to be the entrepreneur that I am today so that I was familiar with different cross-functional parts of the organizations that, that would create the, the whole, right? Uh, the individual, some of those would create the whole and that's what you have to do with your own business. I can't just if gravitate to marketing because that's what I love or business strategy because that's what I love. I better know how to read a P&L. I better know how to really um, understand operationally supply chain, what's broken. I better be able to look at my omni-channel and take away ego and say, 
mm, you know what, this particular omni-channel, I'm losing money because the margin is just gone. By the time, I don't care if it's a big retailer or not, it may not work for my products. So overall, from an entrepreneurial perspective, I look at my journey and I realized I was always an entrepreneur and I was prepared for power hands well before I realized I was, which so when we started the company and my co-founder walked into the kitchen after I, um, we got married, we'd had our first child and we had bought our first house and we were broke. We weren't broke, but now we're going to pour hundreds of thousands of dollars that's in our savings into starting this new business, right? Wow, it was a lot. But when he explained to me that from a scientific perspective, right, that we're, you've got a basketball athlete and we're trying to take this basketball athlete from this level to this level and the MacGyver, right, that he was using at the time was gardening gloves and ankle weights, my scientific mind and business strategy uh, mind, I started really processing how does this not only apply to basketball, but talking about scaling, right? How does this not only apply to basketball, but how does it apply to other sports verticals so that we can implement innovative technology to help athletes go from one level to the next level? And that's really how Power Hands was birthed. It was birthed from an idea and a need for wanting youth to get back to the fundamentals of training. And then once we did that in basketball, we then scaled our products into other sports verticals and other countries, et cetera. That's great. Thank you so much, Danielle. And, and what a really interesting story talking about building this global brand from really bootstrapping it with your husband. And, you know, Power Hands has experienced phenomenal success in what we would consider to be a relatively short period of time. So I've got to ask you, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs who hope to grow their own products into global brands? And what do you think that um, entrepreneurs that want to follow in your footsteps, what do they need to know in order to grow their own products into global brands? Awesome. Great question. And so the first thing I would say is don't follow my footsteps because we didn't realize that we were a global brand in the very beginning. So that's the first advice that I would give to an entrepreneur. The day that you do your business plan, you need to understand that your product or service can benefit people outside of the U.S. So when you're doing your due diligence and you're looking at your market, right, you should pinpoint some of those countries that would need your product or service. We did the opposite. We started uh, growing and scaling within the U.S. And then a year and a half later, really started digging into analytics and started looking at Australia, of course, um, that people were uh, buying product and they were paying more for shipping than they were for the product. Canada, um, uh, Spain, uh, China, etc. And I sat back and I thought about this, Danielle, how do we miss the boat on the fact that sports is an international language? So from day one, we could have really been able to put a global strategy in place, but I'm glad we didn't because here's a mistake that I think that a lot of entrepreneurs make when it comes to scaling and being global, right? Um, We want to move too fast and you have to pace yourself. You really have to get your core business stable, right? And your cash flow stable, 
before you start scaling. And that's the second piece of advice. First, again, make sure that you start day one, understanding how your product or service can scale globally. And two, don't scale too fast. Don't rush to do it. Do it in the right time when you're absolutely stable. And the third piece of advice is selling in another country, it's a lot of logistics. So you have to make sure that you understand um, you know, how you sell into that country, uh, how, you know, what are the regulations in selling to that country? Should you get a partner that's already familiar, which is what we've done? Um, and they will help you knock down a lot of those barriers that you would have to deal with yourself. And it would take you a longer time to, to understand and deal with those. So really um, understanding the logistics and who your partner could be in that country to carry and distribute your product is very important. I love that you mentioned uh, the mistakes early on. And we all know that sometimes with startups, mistakes can lead to failure. So, and we've heard the statistics that, you know, one in eight small businesses will fail. And so, Danielle, how would you say from your perspective that you would go about de-risking yourself as a small startup? Yeah, so that, that statistic is very interesting about, you know, eight out of 10 businesses will mm-hmm. fail. And when we look at COVID, right, um, so many businesses had to close their door. And so you would automatically make the assumption that they did not de-risk themselves. Well, you know, as a, a small startup, right, you, de-risking yourself really starts with your mindset. I don't think it's a formula other than your brain. Because what it takes to be an entrepreneur and to sustain and then scale in this business is a resilience to get past all of the no's, a resilience to get past all of the hard times because, you know, you have not heard a Fortune 500 company, some of the greats, they talk about failing, they talk about bankruptcy, they talk about the fact that their co-founder left them, right? Or they left the company and then came back. There are so many things that you don't anticipate along the way, you can never really de-risk yourself. So you have to have a resilient mind during those times when you doubt yourself, because there's no formula to de-risk yourself. But what I will say is there's some, a couple of different components that, that will help you, right? It's like building a house. If you have a very solid foundation, if you have that in place, then nine times out of 10, right, you're not going to have any type of issues, of course, in your, your flooring or um, soil issues, et cetera. So And as you can see, I'm using an analogy that I should have used something else because I really don't even know about building a house. So I'm going to say building a business, right? The first thing is business plan. We tend to skip that phase. And a business plan is so critical because as when we come up with ideas as entrepreneurs, we can come up with ideas all the time. But do we really know if this is a scalable idea, if it's a viable market? And then have we really thought through all the components, right, that could go along with this idea? And that's what a business plan allows you to do. You cannot start a business or build a business without being an expert in that field. You have to start somewhere, and that's with that business plan. Next is the financial modeling. You have to understand 
and take time and go through the business, take power hands, for instance. You have to understand if you're selling your product and you have one or two products, right? What is the channel that you're going to use to sell it? How much does it cost to advertise on that channel? Your warehouse expenses, what are those gonna be to pack and ship that item and to store that item, right? What are you gonna pay an employee when you're not paying yourself? And how is that going to grow over the course of the five years, right? So that you, if you need to go out and seek funding, an investor will be able to see what your journey and path will be. Or if you wanna turn your business from being a sole proprietorship into a business, right? You will understand what that journey is gonna look like and how much capital you'll need to inject into it. So that, that financial piece is really big. And then the third piece I will say is team. Again, I will say team again, wow. Um, we can do good things alone, but we do great things with an amazing team. And you have to find a team that connects to your culture um, when you're a startup and you're bootstrapping, you're not going to be able to pay for the talent that you really need. So let's just be very transparent about that. And you're going to go through those cycles where you're, you will probably get frustrated because the talent that you have, that's what you can afford at the time. And you have to give them grace because that's what you can afford at the time. And there's some development areas that are, are, are happening in order to reach a certain point where then you can have more cash and more revenue and you can then fund another FTE, full-time employee, right? Or a part-time employee or looking at going to an agency. But the human capital that helps you, I cannot stress the importance that piece is, is so huge. And that's just not the people that work directly for you, that's your advisors as well as your board of directors. Yeah, that's such great advice, Danielle. And, um, you know, I would even suggest that your team extends beyond your employees to include your partners as part of your team and thinking Absolutely. through, you know, your vendors, your suppliers, all the people that you're doing business with as part of your team. Um, and you talked a little bit about some of the mistakes that you made early on. Uh, one of the common one is not creating a business plan. What do you think are some of the other common mistakes that entrepreneurs make when they're growing and scaling their business? Um, I definitely learn firsthand, right? And uh, I am I, I'm always very transparent about that, and I'm still learning firsthand. But you know, I think we talked about the word misstep, and I, I really I really like that word because misstep put you in the mind frame of something that you've done wrong. But I'm not afraid of a misstep. I'm not afraid of falling down. I'm not afraid of a failure. I'm afraid of not moving forward and trying. I'm afraid of not stepping into my purpose, right? So if I have a misstep, I'm going to learn more from that misstep versus not having one. And so that's the first thing that I want entrepreneurs um, to really understand, you're going to experience so many failures throughout building this business. So have an expectation for that. And so if you have an expectation for that, and you're a leader, and you're a CEO, it's not about title, it's about behavior. So that means your behavior, because you expect it, 
you're then going to be able to maneuver and grow from it. And it's going to make you so much better. So that's the, the misstep piece. I think that core is very important for you to grasp. And then, you know, some common mistakes that I think that, you know, entrepre entrepreneurs make is, you know, they're just, you, it's a difference between having an idea and being creative and building a business. And so the, not being aware of what it takes in order to build a business is an absolute misstep. So, and, and it's, it's something that entrepreneurs, because again, if, if you're, you're on the creative side, all you want to do is see that idea go from this stage to launching but you really don't know how to connect it in between. And then the second part of that misstep is you don't know who to connect with from a resource standpoint to get it done. The third misstep is you don't even know where to go from a funding perspective to get it done. Do I look at my friends and family? Do I bootstrap and have my own cash? Do I do a small safe note? Do I do a seed round? What, what is that? When does that happen? Like all of these things are just, you know, something that you, you, you need to learn. So that's why I go back to your team and your advisory board. So if I'm going to start a company that builds lights, well, I better go find someone that's built a light before and that's made money and sold his company and exited and put him on my board. So really think, which is my last advice, really think about what is your end game? Day one, day one. And once you understand what your end game is, then you build your framework and your foundation around that end game. I think that makes so much sense. But once you've made the mistake, how do you pick yourself up and from that misstep and really focus on the learning instead of the failure to move forward? That's hard. It is. It's, uh, it's, it's very hard. And I think it's not only hard in, hard in business, it's hard in personal relationships, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's like when you get a divorce, um, you know, you consider yourself a failure at that, that marriage. And again, I, I have to go back to mindset. It, when in, in order to pick yourself up, right, it starts with your mind. I often tell my seven-year-old that you're the boss of your brain. So if you're the boss of your brain, there's nothing that you can go through that you can't train your brain to realize that it's just not that bad, right? Your heart may feel that it's bad. Your disappointment may feel that it's bad, but it's really not. Tomorrow you have another opportunity to, to absolutely move forward. So I, I, I feel that that is the key. Um, entrepreneurs, and that's why you, you hear entrepreneurs are crazy enough, right, to think that they can change the world because you really have to be that crazy. You really have to think that you can walk up to get your resource who's a CEO and there is a hundred security guards that are right there and they're going to see you. They're going to love your idea and they're going to help help you um, build that, that plan. You have to have that mindset, whether you can do it or not, you have to have that mindset. So when it comes to recovering from a misstep, you have to look at it as that's the gravy. That is what's going to absolutely keep you learning, keep you earning, and then keep you returning. Oh, that's such a great 
um, memorable line. That that's gold right there. Thank you so much for that. From Nancy Lieberman, but go ahead. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, one of the other memorable lines that you've offered, Danielle, is that you've often noted that a key to your success is meeting problems with solutions, not ego. And I love that you meet problems with solutions, not ego. Mm -hmm. And so like many founders, you've had to adjust your business strategy as you've grown and scaled. You have met your problems with solutions, not ego. So tell us how you've pivoted your business strategy, but remain true to your vision. Yeah. So, uh, wow. So vision is really about understanding your value. And, you know, as a small um, hyper growth, black owned business, we truly understand our value. Why? Because we have listened to our customers' voice. And our customers have told us what our value is. So when it comes to pivots and being able to stay close to our vision, and wow, 2020, 20, uh, 2020 really challenged us on that. And it really allowed us to either realize what our strengths were or truly realize what the gaps and development uh, areas are within the company. So um, I would say some of the pivots that were critical for us is, you know, we are um, an e-com company with a mix in retail. So when I looked at what was happening in 2020, one of the pivots that is, is, is going to be a lifelong lesson for us and a part of our business model always is to reinvest in what's working. And what was working for us is our e-commerce channel. And when I really dug into the financials and the numbers, I then realized that five of my e-commerce channels, they worked, but they were not working for us financially and weren't as profitable as I thought. And once I had a time chance to slow down during COVID, I really realized that. So what I did at that time was I looked at and am continuing to do with my strategies. I looked at my e-commerce cha channels and I was able to make my advertising more robust. So I knew if I put a dollar of advertising towards this ad, this is what I was going to get from an advertising uh, spend and revenue. So that key, that was really, really key. Um, the other thing that you know we did from a pivot standpoint that stayed close to um, our vision is we we really aligned uh, our new ideas with our customers' behaviors for the client. So I'm not gonna if if people doing COVID right if kids can't go to school to work out if people aren't able to go to gyms I'm not gonna show an ad that shows people in a gym I'm not gonna show an ad that shows kids out on the field with their coach. No, I'm going to now help you understand you have to train inside. So we put a train inside campaign together and we then help people understand how you from kids, how you can train one on one with yourself in the garage um, or, you know, outside in, in the yard with your family or from a fitness standpoint, how you can use our products, right, to still stay focused on your, your mental and your strength and, and use that as your me time. So that, that piece was huge. Um, the other thing that we did from a, um, a pivot standpoint that stayed close to our vision was uh, we really re reoriented our customer experience uh, one customer at a time. I mean, people were very impatient 
during COVID. Uh, we'd never used a bot before, right? We'd always used our customer service team. And we then employed a bot because we realized that people were home ordering offline and that is a faster system. So from a customer service standpoint, we got more innovative so that we could meet our customers um, and the demands that they were making in order to get our products a lot faster. And then the last thing I'll say that we did was we continued to serve within the U.S. and outside of our borders. We did not stop selling products outside the U.S. because they were still looking to us to um, as a solution. So I realized at that time, again, that in Spain and Barcelona and then Australia and then the Philippines, that we were still a solution for those families and those athletes that were struggling at that time. And we gave them hope that they were going to be able to get back to their fitness, get back to their athletic training. And that's what we continue to do. Again, the practical advice is just so amazing and just so helpful and easy to understand. I think you're giving so much back to the listeners, uh, to the community for this podcast, Danielle. Thank you so much. But we have one final question. And there has been so many excellent pieces of advice during our time together. So one last one, the best piece of leadership advice you've ever received that you want to share with our listeners today. Thank you for that question. Um, And I just received this advice over the weekend. I was going to give another piece of advice, but then this one came and it's so timely. Um, We launched our QB Legacy program uh, in Tampa with the Super Bowl. And I was talking to one of the kid's parents who um, his kid was a quarterback and he was out there on the field. And we just got into this philosophical conversation. And he said, you know, one of the things that I um, learned the most in leadership, and it was from a guest speaker that came in, he says, we get so caught up in thinking that our life lesson or our life purpose, excuse me, is about being understood. He said, our life purpose is not about being understood. It's about being understanding. So it's not about being understood. It's about being understanding. And that moment, that has literally changed my perspective. The way I came home and talked to my daughter when she says, you just don't understand me. The way that I interact with my husband, the way that I interact with um, my team, even when I think that they didn't follow through with something, I am there to be understanding. So what do I do to understand? I shift myself to the side and then you're going to believe that everything else around you is going to be taken care of because you're feeling you're fulfilling the mission and your purpose of why we put on this earth. I, it has changed my life. It's beautiful. Honestly, that's beautiful, beautiful leadership advice. Thank you so much. We have loved having you on the show today, being a part of Leadership Global. You have given so much of yourself to our community. We are so grateful. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me and anything that I can do to further your mission. Of course, I'd love to do that. Thank you, Danielle. And thank you to everyone who joined us today on Lead Hership Global. And we'll talk to you next week. 
Thank you for joining Leadership Global, a podcast for and about unstoppable women stepping into courage, claiming their power, and embracing bold leadership. Join us each week as we talk to a collection of inspirational women changing the world and tackling the most pressing issues we're facing today as women and as leaders. See you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.